We're going to have a bit of fun today. We're going to discover the suburbs to avoid based on news, crime statistics and real data. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as Download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au What should probably be Australia's most boring property podcast, hosted by a tax depreciation expert and a data scientist, has surprisingly become one of my personal favourites. And I'm joined by the potty mouth duo today, Mike Mortlock and Kent Lardner. Welcome, boys. Thank you. That's good fun. <laughs> no now, swearing. Mike now, is just awful at the swearing stuff. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm normally under control. I don't have a big deck with buttons, okay? <laughs> so now for anyone who hasn't listened to Suburb Trolls, it, as that is these boys' podcasts I'm referring to, it's touted as Australia's worst behaved property investment podcast. The trolls promise foul manners and even fouler opinions and they actually make me sound genteel, <laughs> right? They say words on air that I haven't let pass my lips on air. I think we've delivered on that promise. I think we are um, worse behaved and, and we do have some pretty foul opinions. Yes. We do. And we've um, got a, a, an objective to lower the bar we, uh, every week. And so now you, you, this is a January episode. It's a holiday episode um, for our listeners on The Elephant because, you know what, let's relax and have a bit of fun and we want to provide some holiday entertainment with a little bit of um, information in there as well and i have to say that your um your your byline for the podcast is if you like your property um was it served up on a tray of yeah property stats no it's, it sounds like dentec uh, and i've been wanting to know what dentec was but i looked on your website and found anyway it's data so look we really appreciate you joining us today let's take a tour through the less salacious suburbs of australia i want to really tap into what the news the crime stats where it aligns with property data to let us know we should be avoiding buying in them. Mm. We probably should have done some research, Kent. Well, we Let's just, start with Logan. <laughs> we, our go-to is always Logan, but there's always a surprise because what Mike does is he picks on crime stats and it's not always the, um, the, the lower socioeconomic suburbs that rise to the top. Um, so when it comes to uh, importing the big stuff, uh, you, as you could probably guess, that gravitates towards the uh, well-heeled eastern suburbs uh, locations for the for the big uh, crime stats for for drug imports, where you know we just assumed it was going to be Cabramatta. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because it does, it's about the type of crime, right? And what type of crime is more likely to impact on property prices? Is the fact that basically they've got a, a you know big rubber dinghy that's that they've got to scuba dive out to off the coast of I don't know where maybe Vincent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they're bringing in their their big bricks of ice or br- bricks of cocaine or whatever it is you know I sound like I know what I'm talking about I've got no idea I never actually ever really looked at this come on um versus in Cabramatta potentially where the type of crime is different but might actually have a greater impact on the streets and the safety and I'm really wading into really difficult territory here because I don't know. I'm just, and I shouldn't have named Cabramatta because I could be wrong and <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions on Cabramatta. So that's what you're here for because you guys have actually done the research and I haven't. So, it, yeah, how, do, how does it pan out? Sometimes we don't even do the research. We just cast aspersions. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered about that. <laughs> the research starts about three minutes prior to recording. All right. Let's Google this. Yeah, I'm interested in in sort of the weird crimes and and the places the places that I really enjoy are the are the ones like because crime is normally reported in number of instances per one hundred 
population. Mm-hmm. There's one place in South, South Australia, I think it was, was it Elizabeth? If, if not, I've just destroyed their property prices because I was comparing two suburbs. One was Elizabeth. Um, one of them had a 0.46 instances of crime per 100 people per year and the top place in Adelaide had either 106 or 109. So there's more crimes than there are people in, in a certain year. Mm. It's one or two really, really busy people out on parole, mm. um, or it's a good balance, a good average. Yeah, and we try, and it's hard too because we're trying to do funny crimes, and and crime isn't necessarily funny in and of itself. It can be, but then we don't want to talk about crimes like you know when we talk about assault, we sort of, sort of try to tease out things like domestic violence, right? Because that's not funny in no. any way, shape, or form. But you know, in some ways, you know, like pornography is funny because, like, we're trying to figure out, well, how is that, like, a crime? Because, well, yeah, pornography, like, consenting pornography is... is, is oh, a, God, is there's a, a knock at the door. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's the police. They're on, they're on to me. Yeah, but, like, these, well, these have to be recorded as actual crimes. So you just you wonder in what circumstance are people kicking Kent's door in and, and finding his collection of 1970s centrefolds with, uh, with big sort of hairy... Um, Dust collections. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is rather interesting, isn't it? Is like what constitutes a crime because basically we could all be arrested for swearing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Jaywalking or not allowing horses to be tied up at our pub and that sort of stuff. Weird but stuff. But it's just not always negative stuff. We found a very, very positive, and we've created a new index. Now, Mike's got a, a rental loss index, which is all serious. It's stuff, boring. We got the, I've got a different one. It's, oh, a, no. it's a MILF index. Oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> and, and this was born of looking at suburbs where there was obesity and fitness and, you know, we pull apart these research articles or newspaper articles, some of them probably made up as they go, but some have got a bit of substance to them. And then you start to look at the data and the data actually supported uh, higher growth rates where there were fitter people. So I create, I converted it to the MILF index. So we, you don't know if they're actually good looking. They're just thinner and you assume. And one thing that, you know, Veronica loves is, is us making sort of, you know, aesthetic comments about the female Women. gender. Mm. She's really, she's given us some really positive feedback on that. Yes, yes. Constructive <laughs> feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true. Okay, so let's get into causation versus correlation. <laughs> no, you know? no, that's just going to spoil the fun. <laughs> when do I get to say rude words? No, oh, you, you can't today. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have a big deck uh, um, with buttons on it to to as I mentioned earlier. And um, oh, you've got your big, <laughs> your big deck. <laughs> The moment we started putting sound effects into a podcast, we sort of we knew there was no coming back. This was going to be awful, um, but we're 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 here to have fun. Now, how many listeners do you have? Sixteen. Sixteen. Oh, you're overestimating it a bit. Um, <laughs> That's gone up. <laughs> we got here. Well, I can tell you this: we more than doubled our listenership between September and October. Which is easy to do when you've got 16. 32. Yeah, that's all you well, need. 33, more once, than double. Once we start getting like 100, then we've got to get 200 and it's really going to be tricky. That's, that's exponential growth, mm. isn't it? That's, that's fantastic. So, okay, so you've got this sort of strange little pet project that's meant to be a lead gen tool for you because, let's face it, you know, podcasts, we, we, we do it for the love. We I, do it for lots of our own altruistic reasons, but also at the end of the day we all run businesses. Um and you've got six or 33 viewers now and you're, you're really pitching, mm. which is great. But one of the things that um, that you've, you you do, you actually do actually try to back up or, or look further into the data for any particular suburb that you're, you're laughing about effectively. One of the things that I've actually enjoyed was the quoting index, the underquoting index. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Right. To hear. So oh. you you did your your way of actually measuring it. I thought was really lacking. <laughs> I thought it was not very robust. <laughs> Thank you very okay. much. Yeah, that was Kent's. Okay. That's and Kent's data science degree that we yeah, put to the full data use science there. Really came out swinging there, and and because basically you declare that, that Victoria was or Melbourne was the the underquoting capital of Australia, and it's mm. undisputed. 
you know, once it became number one, it couldn't. It was you can't top. You can't beat it. And that that therein lies the problem with your methodology. Mm. So so I'm challenging you to use a different methodology. But um, so yeah, that's that's your little homework. Um, Got a couple of suggestions for you. But anyway, the thing though, what what I found was interesting. You started looking at individual properties that you thought you were calling bullshit. That. Mm. There's no way that that's going to sell anywhere near the actual guide. Mm. It was going well for a while. And then what happened? I, I, I got a couple not entirely wrong. They just weren't. 10% was my tolerance. So if wow. you were outside, if you underquoted by 10%, uh, I would effectively call you out. Mm. But if it was 9%, I called myself out and give myself an uppercut. Um, and by the, I think the third episode we got through about, I think we up to about 12 or 13 properties, the 13th property, I had to give myself an uppercut. Mm. That was good. We invited the agent to call in and abuse him. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't think they did. And the trouble was we were picking things where we thought, um, we even had a segment called the price is wrong. I don't know if you got that. Um, and Kent was saying, this is definitely not going to sell for this. And then we realised, well, the, if we say that on the show, the listeners are going to want us to circle back and go, what did it sell for? Yes. And then we realised we had to sort of like keep an eye on all these listings and that sounded way too much work. So we just thought it would be easy to just shut down the whole segment. And that's why I came up with a methodology to shut the program down. So there's the winner, can't dispute it. Victoria, you've won. Melbourne, you've won. And therefore I could get out of the hard work. So... <laughs> Things become work. We we just we just shut down the segment, which is a shame because we've got to pay that British voiceover woman regardless. Yes, and she's got a beautiful beautiful articulation. Although she does use the word data, that sounds like Dentec. Um, anyway, but that's in the intro. So yeah, like yeah. Your, I've got to read it here. It says, "Imagine I could do it." So it says, "Oh no, I don't have your um your website up handy." <laughs> I was going to read it and pretend to be the British person. So, but, but overall, though, have you actually learned anything about suburbs that you didn't know before and that might actually frame up your or inform your property smarts a bit better? Or is it pure comedy? I think it's, it, like, I started out thinking this was going to have a, a bit of a, an edge, uh, a political edge to it um, because, I, you know, I think that there's a big problem emerging with, you know, the house price growth has been fantastic and it's terrific for headlines, but... For every one person that's winning, I think it's become a zero-sum game and you know, there's a loser now. And I think, um, you know, we, we're picking on some of these locations that are lower so- socioeconomic, but we're trying to balance it with the higher higher socioeconomic as well. So we go from picking on the snobs to, you know, uh, picking on the the, uh, the lower socioeconomic bogan areas. Um your boganometer. Let's well, not yeah, pretend that we're 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 highbrow and you've got some humanitarian no, mission. No, I'm just I'm mis- <laughs> I'm abusing something called the CIFA index, the socioeconomic <clears throat> index from the ABS. So I abuse that for my own benefit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I yeah you know, I thought we we're going to have a, a bit of fun, but make it have a political undertone to it. But it's just morphed into silly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is a bit silly at times, but I do laugh a lot out loud, and you know that that's there's something to be said for that. So um, laughing a lot out loud that is, and we, that's why it's still on my top of my list of property podcasts. Because ha- have you ever listened to? Sh- uh, have you ever got the book or read the book Shit Towns of Australia? No, but I have actually followed their Facebook page uh, as a consequence of, of your podcast. Gold, right? Gold. That was probably the big incentive here, and and so you know, Mike bought this book for me. And it's just one of my little, you know, and talk about laugh, laugh out loud. You, you read through it and some of the things they write, it is, you just can't help yourself. It's a laugh out loud thing. And that was a lot of the inspiration, uh, you know, hero, some hero worship. So buy the book. I think anyone listening should buy the book. We'll have to find the link and stick it in, in the mm. show notes. So with the shit towns, actually, because now I do follow their Facebook page, and I've noticed they, they shit ton, like, what do you call it, Byron Bay? Byron. Yeah, it won. Oh, we hate Byron. I hate, <laughs> but I hate Byron Bay not because of the book or anything else. It's I hate Byron Bay because I've been there many a time, <laughs> and I hate it more every time I go there. I had a holiday there at the end of last year, and we were three days into a seven-day holiday, and I came home. Okay, what's wrong with Byron Bay? It's full of shitheads. Sydney people. Are they visiting <laughs> like you or are they the locals? You've got a mixture of both. So what you've got Sydney is that you've got the local, the local 
hoons that want to beat the crap out of your little kid, you know, your kids who little, we had a whole stack of these Christian college kids who wouldn't know how to punch their way out of a round paper bag, right? Getting, you know, heaped on by kids that are you know, a couple of years older and toughies. So we had that at one end of the extreme. And then you've got these toffs in big, expensive Range Rovers or whatever who think it's their God-given right to park crossways, you know, take up two or three car spaces. And you got this, and then you got foul language everywhere you go. It's F this, F that. And What's wrong with that, that? That's fine with a podcast where you can hit, you, know, you can hit the button, the big deck <laughs> button. But this was everywhere. So, you know, these people didn't care if you had a little kid with you or whatever. So the whole place is just full of misbehaving a-holes, ranging from misbehaving rich a-holes to bogan a-holes and whatever and drunks. And, and it's, it's totally spoiled, beautiful place. So we hate it. Mm. <laughs> there's a, there's, places only stay cool for a while until people figure it out and then it, then they disappear. It's, hap- it's going, it's going um, west too. Like places like Mullumbimby are already sort of seeing the people that have, you know, that, that have ruined Byron sort of heading that way. It's a real thing. I, I can remember going to, to Nimbin as a, as a, essentially a child, I think I was 15, I was there for five minutes and a guy came up to me and he said, I heard you were looking for an ounce. And that's lovely. You know, that just kind of, that's the sort of vibe that I, that I want and that's what I think Byron has lost. How much did it cost? <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to Nimbin. No comment. I've been to Nimbin a couple of times actually and, and the first time I we went out there I was, yes, in my early 20s and uh, I couldn't believe how beautiful that hinterland is. It is one mm. of the most spectacular parts of, of the world, I think. And Did you and see I, Pete? I didn't see Pete. I don't think Pete was there then, you know, when I was that young. He's, he's our favourite. Mike, mm. Mike might have been there when he was 15 at the same time. And, and I was walking through the street and I was really quite astounded that everyone, why would you be wasted when you are literally in the – one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Like, why would you then write, you know, write yourself off and get totally wasted? Because it's more beautiful. Kids were naked in the streets, you know. It was just in the main street, that is, like just wandering around naked, quite a few of them, not not just one. Um, And, yeah, so, you know, it was a bit of a disappointment for me. How does that differ to Newtown? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) they do the naked thing on, like, it off their face on ice here at you know, at Hamilton in Newcastle and um, they walk around in the nick. Some, something to do with ice and getting your gear off. Mm, well, hopefully these little kids weren't on ice. Well, that, that's a long time ago and I'm not sure ice was even invented. Now, okay, so you hate Byron and shit towns hate, hates Byron as well, which I thought mm. was funny because the prices at Byron have gone It's always voted number one. Heaps of people love Byron, and and so that then attracts. And uh, maybe the locals hate it now because basically it's been changed and they can't mm. afford to live there any longer. But there was an article in the in the Herald I saw a couple of oh, maybe a week ago with looking for the next Byron, and so it was oh, basically trying sure. to predict you know all the places down Yamba. the Coast. We talked about that. We did Yamba. We we talked about that article I think, uh, and and they said Yamba was going to be the next one. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, if I was a, a Yamber, Yamburnian local, I'd be terrified. The moment that I saw a black Range Rover, I'd sell up. Mm. I mean, <laughs> well, like. Really, you should wait a couple of years because then you're going to get more when you sell up. That's right. That's this. Yeah, now we're talking about investing advice. So I would mm. move out, rent the place out, and then sell up. That's not a bad. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. But they have been putting up with people that can't going from Grafton every weekend, so they're pretty resilient lot in Yamba. <laughs> so back to your bogan bogan on bo, I can't even say it boganometer. because <laughs> you, you you did come out with some stats that shows that there was you know there's a bogan element that actually is good for property prices, right? Um, there I, I, there's been some interesting movements, and what you'll find is there's areas that have even suburbs or, or areas markets that you think uh high really you know high high profile whatever have got a mixed bag there's a lot of mixed bag suburbs out there and what i've done is rather than take the c for index which is your average uh socioeconomic for the suburb and it might say seven or eight what you find is if you split it up and and measure it by the neighborhood which is what they do at an sa1 level using the abs there are neighborhoods that are um 
lower socioeconomic neighbourhoods. And what's what's of interest is um, a lot of the buyers' agents talking about something serious for me that like to avoid streets or neighbourhoods that have got public housing. Mm. You know, that's an example. But there's a flip side to that because the ripple effect um, does flow into these. So once you find that, you know, there's a really big surge in price, it flows into those neighbourhoods. So the locals avoid it, but the out-of-towners or the people who kind of say, I can put up with our fibro house next door, they flood in. So it's like a dam and suddenly it flows over the top and fills yeah. it up pretty quick. So that's an interesting thing that we've observed is looking at these, you know, neighbourhoods of lower socioeconomics in a high demand, high growth market that we've seen over the last couple of years, They've some of them have done rather well. So it's not all gloom and doom when it comes to a bogan spot. And I guess I should have asked you what's your definition of bogan Oh, we just whatever we make, we just make it up as we go. And 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 I've heard you say that you have the right to um, comment on bogans because yep. I'm a houso. I'm a houso from Macquarie Fields. <laughs> I'm a house. Whereas whereas Mike's Ken- Kenty from the block, he likes to be called. Yes. <laughs> so you know, it's the penist and and the houso. It's like the cook and the chef. Oh my God! You purposely pronounced that like penis, didn't you? Which Correct. does remind me a bit of Dame Edna. I know what. No, 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 not Dame Edna. Celeste Patterson. Do you remember oh, yeah. Dame Edna and Celeste? I yeah. know what you're looking at. You're looking at my penis. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> we we equate it to sort of like an African American man. There's a certain word that he can use to describe himself and his brethren that would get you shot in in the Bronx. Say, um, so Kent can can say the bogan thing because he you know he he grew up under a sheeted tin raised by dingoes. Um, whereas I, and and then I'm. I'm trying to sort of play the other side and all I've got my claim to fame is the grandmother who was the elocution teacher and studying classical piano, piano at a at a at a conservatorium for a bit but the truth is you know I'm I'm a bit rougher in the edges myself mm, we can hear it, it. Mm. we can hear it no yeah. I don't know he doesn't sound it he's got quite you know rounded vowels and people accuse me of being screaming. english a lot and I say no I just put g's on the end of words what ought to have them snob um, if you hear the screaming in the background, it's my poodle when my wife comes home. So it's not, it's, I haven't abducted a, a young child. I stopped doing that a long time ago. So I, I, you should not say that, Ken. What? Um, it's too soon to that West Australian thing. Definitely not say that. This is the wrong podcast. Okay, take it back. Take it back. Jokes like that. However, the poodle and you, that it, it does make me laugh to think that you have a poodle. Yeah. Um, oh, and a know, Bichon, a Bichon freeze. You walk along the beach at Newcastle and you've got everyone else has got a Rottweiler or a Pitbull or whatever, you know, neck tattoos and, and I walk past them and my little lap dogs. What's, what's the dog that's got like a beard? A schnauzer. A schnauzer. Oh, I so like I those. actually was walking along the streets of Erskineville yesterday and I saw this guy with a goat, big bushy, you know, beard because he's a um, hipster mm. and he had a schnauzer with a matching beard. It was like reversed. Like it was so, well, reversing colour. The schnauzer had a white beard and the guy had a dark beard. It was, it was like, it was quite weird. But anyway, another guy, quite a big guy uh, with a lot of very floppy hair, a bit like me, he hasn't had a haircut since lockdown yet and um, really quite shaggy and he had this little sort of, I don't know, terrier thing with exactly the same colour fur and it looked exactly the same. It's almost like his head was a Anyway, that we do digress. I, I, so I need a white perm. That's I would have thought all on its I way to Yamba. <laughs> I would have thought that I could qualify for being a bogan as well because I did grow up in the Shire. It's a little bit like Fountain Lakes. It's not. You know? I don't. You wouldn't don't call think so? it. I wouldn't call it bogan as much as it's just yobbo. Mm. Definitely yobbo. And, racist. And people did say something racist. You invented racism. We well, well yes. After I moved out, oh no, maybe before, well, probably before Is I moved out. The Eureka Stockade flag I see in the background. Yes, <laughs> and the Cronulla riots. I, I you got have you, show you us your Southern Cross code. tattoo. Have you got a postcode tattoo? You're, you're <laughs> I escaped the Shire and I have not been back. But when I was filming the show, little known story here. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast before. But they would. I had to say things in voiceover, such as. In a land as vast as Australia, and at first when I said it, I, in a land as vast as Australia, <laughs> oh, and 
I, the producers were like, cringe, because that's not how Australians sound on television. And so I had to go to have some, um, it's not quite speech therapy, but, but some elocution. Elocution. My grandmother. And, what I, and, and, and learn some piano while you're at it. And, and learning to play the piano. And I was taught how to throw my vowels to the front of my mouth and and not talk like this. And <laughs> so I, I can do you, Bogan, mate. I can. See you at the pub. <laughs> See you on Friday at the pub. Um, I can do it because that's where I grew up, where we did speak Bogan, but we weren't Housos, I have to say. So no. I can't claim that and I, and I can't get away with that. But I did have to go and learn how to speak properly. And when I was seeing this woman who was teaching me how to speak properly, one day she said to me, how long ago did you leave the Shire? And I said to her, that's amazing. How did you know I lived in the Shire? Did they put it in my bio? And she said, no, I could hear it in your voice. Oh, what? Yes. <laughs> did you and say, I- uh, did you criticise foreigners? <laughs> yeah, I think you gave it away. I must have criticised foreigners. Um but, you know, <laughs> Did she offer you some pita bread and you said, get that shit out of here? <laughs> yeah. I was mortified. Put more, put more pineapple on it. <laughs> I spent, spent decades trying to rid my voice of Shire and there I was, a voice expert, could pick it in a, sec- in a second. Yeah. Anyway, so I have learned since to say a land as vast as Australia and that is my go-to now. If ever I need to get the bogan out of my voice, I go back to that phrase, <laughs> in a land as vast as Australia. Mm. <laughs> but however, so we're going back to sort of bogan and the definition of bogan and you're talking about um, housing commission areas, which is now called social housing, I do believe, mm. and that typically people would tend to avoid buying property in those areas because of fear of... Um, I guess getting lack of capital growth or lack of capital growth and and safety and all those sorts of things. I did read an article some years back that, and I had personally lived very close to social housing on two occasions that I'm actually, yeah, two that I'm aware of. Um, And I remember reading this art in both cases, we've been robbed and I don't know whether we were robbed by the people who lived in the nearby social housing or somewhere else because they never caught them. However, the assumption always has been, oh, it was the nearby social housing. When I lived in Annandale, when we were robbed, um, they stole a safe because we were renting years and years and years ago and the safe was not bolted down and it was upstairs. And so they got the safe and obviously not too big a safe. Good effort. You know, two people could, a good effort. They threw it out the window. There's a big divot in the, um, the ground outside where it had landed. Then they took it, right, and everything that was in it. Now, when I went, because across the park was this big social housing complex and I thought maybe our safe is lying around. Parked out the front. (laughs) And there was a sort of a stormwater canal thing there as well and and I went for a walk. I didn't find our safe but I did find three others. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. Can you believe it, right? So I think, okay, and still might not have been them. Like it still might not have been the residents of that housing um, complex. It might have been others coming in from the area. But this article I'm referring to that I read did talk about the fact that you living close to it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get robbed because where the robbers come from is where they where they can get the train to. Now, Annandale is not near a train station, nor is Balmain, where the other one that I live near. And so I'm, I'm just wondering, have you guys ever actually looked into the, you know, where robbers come from and do they use public transport? If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. That's interesting. We did do, um, I mean, we we are really fascinated by the crime. I mean, we, we, we shared the story about the Big Bird costume that was stolen from a travelling Sesame Street sort of circus um, in, in, in Adelaide. So we're pretty plugged into that. We did do a special on the most uh, pl- train station uh, violence recorded in New South Wales, and that was a place um, called Waratah in New- Newcastle, which I lived 
for a while. Um, I guess I got very drunk on the weekends and, and hit a lot of people. Uh, I can't remember it though. Well, you but think it was you? Yeah, I could be. I don't know. You know, I'm just that rough and tumble sort of guy, um, Veronica. But were you worried about your hands and playing the piano if you were going to hit people? <sighs> It was all right when it was Kent. Now, when it's the both of you, I just feel ganged up on. <laughs> no, we we like we we see. Unfortunately, there is a, a strong correlation between uh, people who are not financially well off and crime. But our view is that um, they don't go and steal and do crimes in their backyard. They go to nice places to do it because there's better stuff. But when you look at the the crimes, like in 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 some of the the well-to-do areas, like there was, there was a special that we did, and uh, was it uh, Bell Rose or one of those places, um, you know, Rose Bay, I think maybe, um, where the greatest sort of crime was like alcohol-related crimes, and it was, it was sort of like underage drinking and stuff. So it's probably sort of drunk mum and dad sending the kids out to go and pick up another sort of Bollinger and mm. you know that sort of stuff but another the carton of Grange yeah the cr- the crimes are different in the places where the median house price is under a million dollars <laughs> and and the, the, I think the fraud was a really interesting statistics and where where that sh- uh, was showing up mm. so you, you we we made the assumption that that fraud was white collar but it's not it's migrated to bogan collar Really? Yeah, because what? it's all like the identity theft stuff. So back in ah. the catch me if you can days, fraud was sort of sophisticated. You had to have a printer. You had to sort of figure out like what could be stolen that had a value. Now it's just kind of like you, you nick a wallet and you go and use the credit card and, and that's that's considered financial fraud. So it's lovely to see different areas of the sort of social diaspora taking over the mantle of some of these client crimes that were previously only uh, afforded to the one percenters. <laughs> the democratisation of, of crime. crime. Yeah, that's that. That's, that could be about. an episode title, Kent. Mm, it, I like that. Be. Yeah, save that up for another time. All right, so... What was the know, question? <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> now what I want to do, I want to go into another one of your segments, which is the, um, uh, it's not the price is wrong, it's, um, I don't even know what you call it. We get confused, I get confused. Yeah, we? yeah, I do notice. I, that guys I, just, I pick one of the titles and make, I make them up as I go and I do my own voiceover for the <laughs> segment you, as well. When you're not so we're not relying on the British lady. <laughs> we make segments up on the fly. Mm. Which is fabulous and I do like that. Now, but this one is quite cool, and that's when you look at, uh, you know, well-regarded publications and their top ten lists. Oh, the idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember this one. It's just the it's lazy spreadsheet sorting, you know. So step one, you know, get the junior clerk in the office to grab the spreadsheet of the median. Step two, sort them. <laughs> sort them by price change, three months, six months. Sort them by yield, whatever. Right. And you get the crap, the crap, the crap anomalies rise to the top, and we we celebrate that. So please, big magazine companies that portray yourself as investment specialists, please do not change how you do things. Keep it up. We love it. We need the material. I think it's called wrong opinion. Oh, wrong opinions. Is that it? Wrong mm. opinions. Yep. Yes. Mm. So what are some of the wrongest opinions that you've um, debunked? It's a growth. Um, typically the highest growing, uh, highest growth rate suburbs. And we, we found one that actually had gone backwards <laughs> <laughs> because the sample size was one. <laughs> the main thing is that, you know, this place will get, you know, 118% growth and top the nation and three things have sold. And you know, one was uh, one was like a, a shed that they used to, to to film, you know, underground filth. And then the other one was on the water. And they're comparing them side by side and go, look at that growth of the suburb. It is just lazy, absolute garbage. But it's perfect. Mm. Oh, it is perfect. And I've I've been constantly surprised by that over the years when I've seen these top ten lists. And I think, hang on a minute, it doesn't take a lot of curiosity even, um, or just that whole that can't be right sort of thinking, is there a word for that, to to actually just d- 
dig a little bit and go, oh, no, oh, that shouldn't be in the list because, you know, for those Do- reasons. Doesn't it tell you something, though, that these are businesses that have been portraying themselves as specialists in on the topic of investment mm. for, for, for many a year? Yeah. Putting out absolute junk that's easily challenged and proven wrong. Yeah, and I am amazed myself at, you know, you see like, you know, these money magazines and, and all those sort of magazines and they've got the experts' top tips for the next the coming year. They're probably on the bookshelves, on the, the newsagent shelves now. They're exactly that headline because it's the, so the typical headline that you'll see at this, time, at, uh, this yep. time of year. And I'm always amazed that the experts are so desperate for a bit of publicity that they'll get their face on these and then they'll actually give a top 10 or a top five or whatever. Like it actually astounds me. Mm. And and when I've been asked for them in over the years, I've always said no. And at first I said no basically because I knew I'd have to pluck names out of my head, out of well, out of somewhere else potentially. Um, and that stopped me. But <laughs> do these people just not get stopped by the idea of plucking names out of their ass, or do they actually apply some level of lazy, lazy spreadsheeting to this? It's lazy spreadsheeting. Or not, they think not knowing. They think, where are my properties again? Oh, yeah, these are the suburbs that are going to boom. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh my god, you've been so cynical. So tell me, <laughs> suburb trolls, is it going to continue? Well, until it gets shut down. But I think it's reaching new heights. We actually had um, President Emmanuel Macron call in for episode fifteen, which I'm going to launch shortly, which will be launched before this is. Mm. Um, he, he apparently couldn't get through the diplomatic channels and wanted to talk about the French submarine de- uh, deal. So we're, we're, we're attracting some, some real A-listers. And, of course, we had yourself as a guest. So I think we'll keep going and, until the government says um, we can't. Mm. It's using the wrong language. I, I, ca- I don't think I can say social housing or community housing occupant. It just doesn't rhyme like Howzo. Howzo does have a certain, um, you know, certain, I don't know, it's Ring. Quite a, a delicious sort of mm. feeling when you say it. And I know that that show that was on SBS some years ago, Howzo's. Mm. Um, what's, what's their new one? The their bo- new one's The Bogan, Bogan Hunter. Bogan Hunter. Oh, that is <laughs> scary. That Actually, that is scary, that show. I have seen it. Um, yeah. Yeah, here we go, actually. Um, Elizabeth, because we did we did episode sixteen, which hasn't been released um, yet. Um, it will have been. Yeah, it will have been. <laughs> Gosh, this is like Inception or something. I, I, yeah, I know. Oh, shit! The building's folding. Oh gosh! It's a time warp. <laughs> oh, my skin's starting to peel. Uh, I feel like I'm in a Dali painting. Anyway, that's enough references to that. Uh, they Me did on the mushrooms it was again. So yeah. cultured. Oh, God. I know. Um, you, you, you shouldn't have stopped in the Nimbin. Oh, Told you not to. I know. It's those bloody mushrooms. Rooms. Um, no, ad, like the, they did a, a, the top bogan suburbs around the, the country and uh, we did that on show um, 16. So Tassie was like Ravenswood in Launceston, Queensland was Logan, big surprise. Um, um, we've, we've done a bit of work with, <laughs> with Logan. Sydney, Mount Druitt, Campbelltown, of course. Um, Campbelltown was featured on Shit Towns Today, I think. Um, and, yeah, Adelaide was Elizabeth because it was 109 0.96 incidents per 100 residents and double the second place crime um, suburb. And Roslyn Park in South Australia has 0.96 incidents per 100. So Roslyn Park is the, it's, it's the snob suburb of, of Adelaide. What was interesting, I, um, Mike challenged me, said I want 10 Bogan suburbs of high growth and 10 snob suburbs of high growth and it was amazing how many of the Bogan suburbs I'd actually lived in or my family lives in. <laughs> it just looks like a GPS tracker of Kent Lardner's life. <laughs> and and oh, so the question has to be, do Lardner people or Lardner family members still own property in each of those suburbs and potentially was there some bias? Could we have done, yeah, could we have done you, quite well? In how I, you put together that if list. If you stop burning them down, then they'd no, be worth a No, fortune. our conclusion was that these things, these places boom when I leave, and there's there's <laughs> something to that. You know, like you know, parties start to happen when I leave. One one of your 
episodes did talk about the fact that there are certain suburbs where you have huge element of social housing. And I've talked about two that are very blue chip suburbs, Annandale and Balmain. Glebe's mm. another. There's mm. a lot of social housing in Glebe. And, you know, certainly, once again, it's that that locals know where to, to avoid, et cetera, et cetera. And, and some years back, I had a client come to me and said, right, found this property on, I won't say the street, just because in case of the casting <laughs> aspersions. Is that the right word? Not, it's not casting dispersions, is it? Anyway. I keep casting, saying dispersions. <laughs> casting aspersions. I don't casting want to cast aspersions, aspersions on, Pacific, <laughs> on Pacific streets. Um, so... Um, this particular street, however, you know, we, we looked at this house and they had done, spent quite a lot of money renovating it and it was beautifully done, really nice home. And, and these clients who just signed up for us to evaluate this particular property, they said, oh, we love it, we want to buy it. I said, okay, well, let's, how well do you know Glebe? Oh, you know, not really well at all. And I said, okay, well, let, let's just step outside for a moment. I want you to look up and down the street. There was more ampler mesh on front doors and windows in the street than I've seen ever in any street ever and I'm like there's a little bit of a sign that maybe a lot of these houses are not actually owner occupied so let's just have a look and so I got on to RP data and I all I could see actually in four blocks quite a long street four blocks I could only actually show that six houses had ever actually transacted mm. so you think mm, that's interesting ever in in recorded history that was who was the owner um and so they were six owner-occupied homes, whereas in four blocks and so everything else, yes, who was the owner. So then I called the police and so the police do have a um, a community liaison person quite often and I, I called the police and I said, oh, I've got a client that's, you know, we're looking at buying a house in this particular street. Oh, yes, I know that street. I said, um, they said, uh, oh, what number? I go, oh, yeah, I know that number. So two, two doors up, there's, you know, the... Um, the, the Burks live in that house and um, they're not too bad now that the eldest son's moved out. And um, on the other corner, you've got the uh, the Farrells. They live there and oh, they're they're a bit dodgy actually because Dad just moved back in. Um, then, you know, <laughs> basically could name nearly every, every house in the street. and Frequent flyers. Went back to the client and said, look, um, these are the neighbours and some of them, according to the police liaison person, uh, fine and others might be a little problematic what do you want mm. to do anyway they didn't buy the property um but it was yeah it was pretty it was interesting though that the police liaison knew them by name as well i can mm. say so but that is in an area that is that's in a suburb that's blue chip and i know that you sort of talked about some of these suburbs that have both they have that real high end and they've got the low end in the same data set right newcastle is famous for this and south coogee Mm, Maroubra. Yep, yep. You know, it's everywhere. But it's interesting because um, one particular state government's looking very closely at the moment of ways to cash in on those locations that are of very, very high value. Don't mention and that because you leaked that to me and I still I haven't leaked, bought anything yeah, yet. And it's like, this is interesting. Yeah. I'm not going to name who, but I think it's, it's going to be, I think it's the right thing. Now, I came up with a formula. And, oh, and, God. <laughs> Yeah, this is yeah, it wasn't well planned out. It was no. just my and my theory was on, that disclaimer, disclaimer. This the, yeah. is purely the opinion of Kent. Oh, yeah, not the yeah. Opinion it's of a the very inappropriate, very poorly thought out <laughs> disclaimer. So, um, and it was based on if I can move you, uh, based on how many years you've lived there and how many kilometres I move you out, and we can put a lot of money in your pocket. And the formula was try and get your ten k out if you know if I can house another couple of families. So there was a a good social responsible element to it because they're effectively saying for if I can sell that house, I can probably build two and a half if I move to, to you know, 10K away or whatever. So they, that was the reason, rhyme and reason. But what we did on the show, which was really inappropriate, it was Mike's fault, not mine, mm. we were talking about all the things they could do with their money because we were giving them a, a, a really good payout based on how many years you were there and how many K you moved away. And that buys a lot of ice and a really nice Commodore. <laughs> I would be suggesting, though, deep down underneath all that mess of, of a crazy little theory, there's probably some elements of little gems. Oh, right? it, it was born of something real, and uh, yeah, I think you've yeah. got to look after that. You've got to look after these people. Give them a, a life changing experience. Put them in a new property and build one and a half more, or build you know effectively house double the amount of people because of this transaction. 
everyone wins. Well, because obviously land values differ in different locations and, you know, from an asset management point of view, the, the government has an asset that, um, that they've got to optimise. Um, Community-wise, potentially if they, you know, move the entire community, that might be better, you know, if, if <laughs> established ties and all that sort of thing because there's, there's displacement, there's, there's the, there are those you social... pay someone enough money, it's all good. Well, maybe you could also f- put in a sort of a, a, a rent-to-buy model as well, potentially, for those who wish to um, mm. and those who aspire to property. I mean, so there are ways that you can actually fold in a social a benefit a, and increase um, housing and, and in, uh, increase affordability for certain segments of the market. So, you know, there's, there's a little gem They're of They're not new ideas. Nice They're very old ideas. You know, the governments in the 60s and 70s were very active in this space. Mm. And we were going to mm. tackle these big issues, but then we just kind of um, went down, the, went down the, the drain hole. Yeah, we just kind really of. Even, I was going to say rabbit hole. It's not a rabbit hole. It's just a drain hole. The drain hole. Kent do, just do wanted to talk about his MILF index. Do you feel that you've really let yourselves down a bit? No, we've got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's funny long, you de- long, long drain. Funny you describe it as a lead gen thing. I actively hide <laughs> that I'm the host of this show. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone in my database, and thankfully I've got another podcast, which is like the legitimate front. So I just go, oh, you know, I'm, I've got a podcast, it's it's this one. And, and they go, oh, haven't you got another one? I'm like, shh, like just <laughs> behind the curtain. But I, I've been on your legitimate one. It's really boring. Yeah. You know? Like just, just talking really, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I give advice. Like, I ask the people time. their opinions. I say nice things. I don't swear. I don't have any buttons. <laughs> The no, price like, is wrong. Oh, geez, I just yes. hope that I my just, wife never tunes into the podcast. I think, I suspect, Kent, that your wife has stopped listening to you some time ago. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. I, mean, I actually, um, <laughs> this this guy, um, Darren, who I, I shouldn't have said this, but Darren is obviously a regular caller that's a plant on our show. Yeah. What? I know. I'm, I'm breaking the fourth <laughs> wall or something. Um, yeah. Actually, the first time Darren rang in, it was a complete surprise to Kent. He had no idea what was happening. He didn't even know I had a phone button. Stitch up. Yeah. Total stitch up. Suddenly I'm like, oh, hold on, Kent. We've got someone on the line. And he's just, I, I was just watching him on Zoom because this was mid-COVID and he was just sat there with his mouth open. And at one oh. point I had to say like, Kent, you're um, you, you're a bit quiet. Like, what's going on? Because I'm like, come on, dude. Like, we're, we're recording a podcast here. I just, it was so brilliant. And he's talking <laughs> about his, his what was his his wife was on um, OnlyFans, and and then he went into a whole new level of wrong, mm. uh, <laughs> which I then thought, you know, hey, have you heard about my no fans website? Um, I pay people to watch me get my kid off. Um, oh not a good business model, but it's fun. <laughs> We bought the domain and everything. Uh, but this um, this chappy, uh, Darren, he said to my wife on the weekend, have you listened to Suburb Trials? And she said, no, no, what's that? And I'm like, oh, Christ. Oh. And she came back from a run and she's ro- and she says to me, and, and you are right, all nipples are beautiful. And I thought <laughs> that, um, that requires. Well, hey, some- we've got to explain it. Since yeah. we started the show. We've both been inundated on a daily basis by friend requests with people with really robotic-sounding <laughs> names, odd names, and they've all got the same description of their bodies. It's <laughs> talking about certain parts of their oh, anatomy. Right. And it's like, what the hell? I don't care what the reddish tinge is. It's not. I'm not into the reddish tinge thing. And we've both been flooded by reddish tinge offers. That's bizarre. It's just the weirdest thing. So, so the Facebook bots have decided that what your image? Mm, they have. I don't know what it is. Or... <laughs> Suddenly now the bots are targeting us, thinking we're two per two old perverts, which is not you know totally still clinging to my thirties. Thank you no. very much. And I'm curious. So is Darren the real Darren? We're not going to use his real name, are we? Mm. But Darren, the person behind Darren, the actor who is Darren, yeah, is he an Overcastrian? No, no, he's not. No, no, he's so an you import. Do you know other people outside of Newcastle? Oh my gosh! Oh, just because we're not some, you know, new town socialite, cosmopolitan, you know, braiding my hair interspersed with hashish smoke clouds, doesn't mean that we do can't. Do I still do hashish in the uh, in the west? 
Veronica? My, na- my neighbours do. <laughs> really? I was a you thing can, in the 70s, but I just... You can often smell it wandering around the back streets of Newtown. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you yeah. sure it's just not the normal kind of grass I think bed? that's what it is. I think that's the smell. It's just something different that I haven't smelt before, and I figured that that might Right. Yeah, from the shy. You haven't come across that. No, no but you've got to remember, I grew up in a Christian home. You know, uh, until yeah. I, I spread my wings and escaped both that cage and the Shire's cage that, um, you know, I realised that there were things like that out there in the world. And, you, and your boogie board uh, bag doesn't have to have a boogie board in it. Apparently not. Apparently not. Now, we're sort of nearing the end of this rambling chat, which I'm hoping people have <gasps> enjoyed um, because it's, it's a bit lighthearted and it's a holiday episode. Um, do you have a Dumbo for us? Because, you know, we do love a Dumbo Uh Example for our listeners can actually learn something if they've listened to all this trollop that we've been trotting out through our chat today. Do we have something that will help them a takeaway? Mike, no? I think Mike does. Yeah, Emmanuel Macron. Um, we tackled him on uh, on the show, and uh, we honestly kind of think, yeah, Scomo as 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 a as a diplomatic sort of um, chappy representing our interests abroad, like leaking a text message is is kind of like you know it's a little bit schoolyard sort of stuff. So he gets mm. a he gets a Dumbo of the week for that. But Macron as well. I mean, if your merch isn't up to snuff, then don't get upset about it. But the funny thing is the. The French do actually have a nuclear submarine, so I don't know what went wrong. I had to do research to find out things about it. But Macron can just sort of go and jam it up his noodle line. Yeah, bottom. it's the right shape, isn't it, the sub? Yeah. It's the right shape to um, shove it. Suppository. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Hope you're having a lovely holiday, boys. Uh, Christmas treated you well and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, off to, off to Byron. Off <laughs> to Byron. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is to ruin a sleepy coastal hamlet. Ah, dear. Yes, well, there's, you know, just add back to that Herald article, there's the other sleepy coastal hamlets. Ooh, to look go to Yamba. Yamba. To the big Black Range Rovers brigade. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Bye. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a Dumbo. (laughs) 